I'm going to read five poems. They're very short. I think they come to about a hundred lines, and I'm going to talk about them. And if it goes over ten minutes, I'll cut out the one hopeful poem. Because anybody can read a poem, only the poet reads it a little better, but nobody else can gabble about them. And I want to say it, but it, I'll get through it all in time. This moment of nostalgia that I was here, I believe, 22 years ago as the consultant. And the consultant in poetry then, unlike everything else in Washington, was a sinecure. You'd sat in your office and read and absorb wisdom. And, um, but it's also an anniversary of something more important. And uh, it comes out in round number 20 years, and it's the Library of Congress Fellows Award to Ezra Pound which is our most famous act and probably our most notable. And uh, um, three or four of us were on that jury, and it's something uh, we take pride in, I think. It's something well to hold on to now. I think this is a time of troubles that you must stand up for what you objectively believe in and not be blown off your feet by ideology. If someone writes good poetry, you... We thought we'd recognize it. And I think as a group, we're not much the same. We write different kinds of poetry and have different efforts, but we understand each other, and you have the feeling of guild of responsible judgment that I think you have with the group tonight. Now, after all that didacticism, I'll read my poems. And uh, uh, this one is... Um, I have the wrong book, but I don't.
One trouble, if you write something criticizing yourself, like I'm tired of my turmoil, uh, then the, the reviewer picks that up and says he's tired of it. <laughs> Here, in a gloomy mood, reading my own poems, I said I found nothing much to turn back to, and uh, a reviewer picked that up and found he didn't have much to turn back to. And <laughs> You can be taken too seriously sometimes. But um, I can't really paraphrase this, but what fascinates me, I've written other poems, that a poem should be imperfect. I mean, it's got to be. It can always be better, and uh, it's going to be imperfect for the very fact it's a poem, but as a poem, it probably should be imperfect and have loose edges no more than you can help, but uh, you can close the thing in and kill the poem. You keep it open somehow, and then put all the craft you can into writing it. I like the paradox. I mean, if you're an awfully good poet, you could be an immortal poet, perhaps, like Horace. But it doesn't do Horace any good to be immortal. I mean, he's not here to collect his royalties. And...
is on the ground and my eyes aren't open and I'm standing on my knees. But if crying and holding on, flying on the ground is wrong, then I'm sorry to let you down. Little 
Now is the glimmering, spinning beginning of something I've prayed for and counted the minutes to be in the shadow of sheltering meadows of night here with you in my arms. Nothing is breathing as sunset is leaving except you and I in the stillness of moonlight We're tenderly touching in silent caresses, counting on time to slow down. This is the moment that pauses to hold us as you and I move in a background of wonder, surrounded by countless enclosures of nocturnal, unspoken music of joy. Counting times I have stood at the foot of your ivory tower And waited and called out your name by the hour And counted on wings of my heartstrings To carry the sound I have counted on pleading You see how I need you come down And now between twilight and midnight you come to me Down in your gown of soft moonbeams and starlight Bright in the evening the breezes have fenced us And nestled against us You're here And warm And mine till the time when the dawn will awake me The morning Shake me, the highway will take me But now while the rays of the moon make bouquets We will swim in the luster of lingering streetlights And count on the night to hold everything even And count on forgetting that I will be leaving When heaven has folded and let in the dawn I'll be gone Gardens of softening nighttime are blossoming slowly around where we are. You and I come together and walk through the dreams of the stars. So here, while the song of the deepening evening is singing to me from the light in your eyes, we can count on each other to move to the beach of tomorrow.
This is quite an old one, and um, I was talking to Dick Eberhardt this morning, and uh, he showed me some English reviews of his collected poems, and he said, here's a poem no one ever noticed that they rave about. And uh, some English review noticed this poem, which no one had noticed. And, uh, you know, critics can't discover too much in you that's uh, welcome. It's called The Slough or Slough of Despond. And um, the subject is some kind of pilgrimage. And that's about as close as I can get, that it's there's some kind of journey, mainly spiritual. And it's a rough journey, hence the slough and the despond. And um, there's a question whether it has a happy ending or not.
Kick that little foot Sally, Sally. Kick that little foot Sally. Kick that little foot Sally, Sally. Do that sauce and Sally.
baby, don't lie. She don't lie. When I'm with her, I feel the twelve in the high. Well, I never, I never won third place my way. I thought it was a disgrace. A lady luck, a lady luck, a secret passing me by. This is a Robert Frost, it's rather a frightening poem, and um, after Frost died, he was, you know, he was the good poet, and among all the poets, the good poet, then rather obsessively, books that came out that attacked him, and uh, everyone said he was a very mean old man. But um, I knew him for years, and... Uh, no one ever thought he was a saint, really, but um, he really was a man of great magnanimity and generosity and music and intuition, and uh, he was a great man as well as a great poet. And uh, he came at an unfortunate time that uh, when he arrived in America, it was just about the time modernism began with Elliot and Pound and Williams and so forth. and. Uh, None of them would have anything to do with Frost. They took him as a sort of very secondary figure who wrote in an old-fashioned style. And, uh, and unfortunately, people did like Frost for mostly non-entities, and he had no choice, really. And um, his family life, it's all in books now. I mean, it could hardly be more terrible what happened to his children. But his son went insane and shot himself a daughter went permanently insane and uh, another daughter died of leukemia in her thirties and one child left and he said this thing to me that uh, when he was honored and so forth that felt well that uh, he thought of how little good his health had done anyone near to him he said that to me one night and I think he was healthy in a complicated way and the other people were unhealthy. Bye. 
Bye. 
too hard to do. Uh, a little poem that's an epilogue to a long sequence, and uh, it's a, like the poem I just read, the sonnet. It's, uh, it's a poem about writing, and uh, it's this trouble that um, I remember when Randall Jarrell wrote, I think his best poem called The Lost World about his childhood, his brother said after his death that it wasn't a poem, that it was something remembered, not imagined. I'm not sure of that distinction. But obviously, a, a poem has to be more than just memory. And yet memory, we're told, is the mother of the muses. And memory is genius, really. But um, it's, you have to do something with it. And, uh, and Well, this little poem just puzzles about with that. It's also about paintings and photographs.
That's all.